This is the On The Line Podcast. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. And we're back to another episode of the On The Line Podcast here again with Noah. How you doing, man? Doing fantastic, man. You know what? How are you? I always... I never ask, so I gotta ask you. Thank you for asking. I'm I'm doing great. It's it's Wednesday right now, halfway through the week. Tomorrow's football. What's the game tomorrow? Falcons, Panthers. Falcons, a, Panthers. It's not a terrible game, but like, ain't ain't nobody care. Ain't ain't nobody care about this game uh, tomorrow night. But uh, I mean, week seven was great football. Week eight is also has a lot of loaded games on it. Um, I want to start off right now, though. Let's talk about last night. Dodgers win the World Series. Good for them. Um, I mean, it was a great series. The Rays battled hard, but the Dodgers were just better throughout the series. It seemed as if the Dodgers would, you know, the Rays were always playing catch up every single game. And then um, you come down to the game last night. Dodgers up 3 1. Uh, in the eighth, and uh, that's where, you know, the Rays couldn't really come back from that. So good win for the Dodgers. Noah, what what was your takeaway from that? Yeah, like you said, uh, tightly contested series, uh, but the Dodgers always just seemed like they were edging the Rays out there. Uh, Blake Snell got pulled last night uh, earlier than expected. He only had two hits given up to the Dodgers, but the Rays manager decided to pull them, which... Stirred up a lot of controversy. People quickly jumped to social media and were saying, you know, why was he pulled? You know, he only gave up two hits. I don't really know what the decision was. Obviously, that's why we don't make the calls. We're fans. We're not the managers. But, uh, yeah, the Dodgers always seemed like they had a leg up on him, whether it was pitching or whether it was offense coming. Uh, timely hits is always a huge thing. And the Dodgers always seemed to get them, and the Rays didn't. So good for the Dodgers. That World Series was always seem to be eluding them in the past couple of years so good for the Dodgers good for that fan base Mookie seems to be a good luck charm dude (laughs) gets one in Boston now in LA he gets uh he gets Kershaw his uh his well-deserved World Series he's definitely a guy that was looking to get it but uh yeah maybe Mookie's the uh he's the good luck charm that everyone needs um it looks that way and you know good for him good for good for uh the uh la dodgers and uh you know you know the boston red sox are kicking themselves right now for letting mookie go so good for them they're looking like title town right now they got nba they got mlb i mean i don't know about nfl the rams could they turn things around i don't know the chargers are not in it but uh you know maybe maybe the rams maybe they'll have three champions up there in uh, la so We'll see, but let's go to our week seven recap here first. Um, Our picks were pretty good last week. There was only a few that we were, that we were, uh, we were off on. Noah and I uh, disagreed on two games last week. Noah, two and oh against me last week. Pretty good. You picked the Eagles over the Giants. The Giants had an epic collapse and the Eagles pulled out a win. Um, and then you got the Rams over the Bears. I thought the Bears would make it at least a little competitive, and it was through halftime. But after halftime, the Rams opened up. They exposed the Chicago offensive line. It has weaknesses. I mean, Aaron Donald is just 
a freak athlete. It's like having he's like he does as much destruction as like two defensive linemen, and he's just one person. It's absurd, but uh, good for you, man. I'll give you the props on that. Two and zero against me last week, so uh, good picks, Noah. Um, you know what was your takeaway from from the week? If you want to start here, we'll start with the Steelers Titans game. Steelers beating the Titans. Uh, in a great win, they were up. They were up big, double. They were up by twenty points uh, in the third quarter, and then started to collapse. They let they kept the door open, which seems to be a theme for the Steelers. They left the door open for the Titans to come back into that game, but they were able to squeak out a win off a of Goskowski missed field goal. So, Noah, what was your takeaway from that game? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, man. It seems to be the Steelers' mo is that they go up early and they sort of just coast on offense and try to rely on their defense to hold the lead and teams just seem to figure them out and come back in the half. We saw it happen with the Eagles and you definitely don't want to do that with a good team like the Tennessee Titans. So luckily for them, Goskowski has had some field goal troubles this year. He misses it. Steelers edge it out. Uh, it was still a great game. People expected it to be close. Uh, halftime, you and I, I bet, were feeling fantastic. I was like, oh, okay, it's in the bag. You know, then they only score three points in the second half. So uh, uh, Tennessee rebounded well. They're a fantastic football team. Mike Vrabel obviously knows how to make those halftime adjustments. It's something to keep in mind uh, in the coming weeks because Tennessee's going to be a playoff team, uh, and they're going to cause trouble for any team going up against them. So it just really goes to show that, you know, Tennessee and Pittsburgh, it, they might not be the biggest markets, but don't count them out as top football teams. I mean, they're both top five teams in the league, in my opinion, especially when you have good coaches like Mike Tom, Mike Tomlin and Mike Vrabel. Absolutely. I mean, you kind of nailed it there. You got to keep your eye. I mean, by no means is Tennessee losing that game mean they're a bad football team. They're a top five team in the AFC, um, probably even higher than that. Um, but, uh, the Steelers, they edged it out. Um, they did pretty well. The most interesting stat that I thought, um, was kind of telling was that, I mean, Derrick Henry was, I mean, they held him to under 80 yards rushing, which is kind of unheard of for Derrick Henry, especially missing Devin Bush back there for the first game, uh, since he got injured. So good on that defense. I think that defense is going to carry them. And they dominated time of possession in the first half. I mean, some of those drives, they the first drive of the game, they took up over half of the first quarter. Like, that's something that's going to be very beneficial for them. And, you know, back-to-back weeks playing really good offenses in terms of rushing. And now you come into the a third game right now against the Ravens where their identity is to run the football. They have one of the worst passing offenses in the league. So it's going to be a real testament to how good that defense is um, and uh, this week against the Ravens. But good nonetheless. Let's go to the Seahawks-Cardinals game where Noah, I don't know if you want to tell everyone what happened to you here, but uh, Cardinals edged out the win in overtime. Noah, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, I mean, you brought it up, so I might as well just go ahead and uh, rip the Band-Aid off. I had a very huge parlay actually two, one six-leg parlay and one nine-leg parlay. And all I needed was the Seahawks to win. At halftime, I was feeling fantastic. They had a 10-point lead. I think it was 27-17. to 17. I was like, you know what? Don't bet against Russell Wilson, especially if he has a lead. They're going to hold it out. They did not. 
OT thriller. It really just ripped my heart out. I was watching till the very end. I lost, you know, a fair amount of money, uh, well over a couple of thousand dollars. Uh, it was somewhere in between 2,000 and 2,500. Uh, all I needed was the Seahawks just to edge it out and they couldn't do it. I went upstairs. I handled it as well as I could have, you know, let out a couple of, let out a couple of expletives, but, uh, yeah, definitely wanted to win that. Dude, these gambling losses, they just they just eat you up inside. I can't they take do. them. Dude, and honestly, who would have thought the one guy in the league that I want leading my team in overtime is Russell Wilson. But for some reason, Russell Wilson did something Russell Wilson doesn't do and threw an interception in overtime and couldn't lead his team down to even get a field goal attempt. So... I mean, the Cardinals, good for them, though. we got to give the Cardinals some props here. That offense was cooking. Kyler Murray was cooking. They came from behind, knocked off the Seahawks. I don't know if it's that building or what it is, but the Seahawks and Russell Wilson can't seem to get it done there in Arizona. Now, the Cardinals, Noah, here, here's a big factor when you look at it. Are the Cardinals a real threat to the Seahawks in terms of winning that NFC West? I mean, it's a tough one. Obviously, they show that they can beat them. Um, to me, it's not a question of their offense. It's a question of their defense. So Seattle has been getting by, and we've seen that anybody's been able to put up points on them. And they have very similar identities to where they just rely on their offense. They're going to, you know, they have a great air attack, both of them, uh, and decent run games to supplement that air attack. Uh, and not really any offensive line. Uh, I think I said at the beginning of the year that the Cardinals are sort of a budget uh, Seattle, but I think, I mean, the Cardinals and the Seahawks have the same win totals right now. So I would say that they are, they are a true threat. Any team in that NFC West is a threat. I think they're all fantastic. If they were, if you just asked me who the best seven teams in each conference were, I would honestly pick all four from the NFC West. I do think that all four of them are playoff caliber teams. So uh, to me, this is anyone's division. They have plenty of division games left to play, especially in the second half of the year. So this is going to be a wild ride for this division. It's definitely the most competitive one in football. Yeah. And I don't want to get too much into this, but just, just a little segue here with the Cardinals. Um, their first round pick, I was skeptical of, and I think Noah, you were too, um, Isaiah Simmons, their first round pick that they took, he's the one that got that game clinching, uh, interception kind of set them up in field goal range there. But I mean, that's kind of only his action all season. He only has 12 tackles on the entire season and that one pick. So maybe is they're trying to ease him into the system. He's not catching on too quickly. He touted himself as the most versatile player in the draft. But, uh, you know, right now, as it looks, he's not living up to the hype that he had. But he did have that interception, which was good for the Cardinals and helped seal that win. So good for them there. Let's go to these uh, quickly. The Rams-Bears game that happened on Monday night. Rams pulled it out. They looked way better. Uh, their defense was definitely better. They made Nick Foles uncomfortable. And I think that's what you have to do because, you know, if you give Nick Foles time, he has the arm that he can get it down to Allen Robinson or Anthony Miller. He can sneak it in there to Jimmy Graham. So they definitely have some weapons there. But, I mean, make him uncomfortable is what the Rams did, and uh, they were able to edge out the win there. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if you give Nick Foles time, he's going to be able to 
is going to be able to wreak some havoc. He didn't have, in terms of an efficiency standpoint, he didn't have a bad game, 28 for 40 on his attempt. So he's a high percentage passer. Uh, but when you give him an actual pass rush to go up against you, uh, he doesn't necessarily throw the hardest ball. So he's going to throw it up there. Uh, and that's why he had two picks. Uh, Rams have a great secondary and a fantastic pass rush, obviously with Aaron Donald. So Foles doesn't have the strongest arm. So if he doesn't have the time to really go through his reads and find the highest percentage look, he's going to make some mistakes. So the Bears aren't a bad football team, obviously, but this was just a bad matchup for them. Uh, couldn't get anything going on offense, but Rams are 5-2. and two. Like I said, most competitive division in football for them, so it's good that they were able to get this win because it's a much-needed victory, especially with the 49ers uh, being healthy and absolutely destroying the Patriots last weekend. Also something interesting that we forgot to mention before, Seahawks just picked up Carlos Dunlap from the Cincinnati Bengals in a trade there. Um, they received The Bengals received offensive lineman B.J. Finney and a conditional seventh-round pick in 2021. I think that's good because the Bengals need offensive help, and, I mean, the defense is already bad with Carlos Dunlap, and the Seahawks need anything. But uh, hopefully it doesn't turn out to a situation where, you know, when they had Ezekiel Anza and Jadavion Clowney on that Seahawks D and they did nothing. So, um, you know, that's something that uh, is to be monitored there in Seattle. But Noah, you know what? I want to I wanna give us a little props here. I want to brag a little bit. I'm, I'm getting on a tangent here, but I want to brag a little bit here. We said that it was a mistake for Jadavion Clowney to sign that one-year deal with the Titans because it's another prove-it deal. He didn't get that long-term contract, and he is doing terribly in, in Tennessee. He is not having a great season, and I think we we hit the nail on the head there, as you like to say. I think I think we did that perfectly there with the Jadavian Clowney situation in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we knew what kind of talent he had. Uh, it was just a question of whether he could uh, bring that out and actually capitalize on it. Uh, he had his worst year of his career in Seattle. Uh, he's not the player he was in Houston, and we said that before the beginning of this season. Uh, he should have taken the guaranteed money. Uh, he had good he had good contract offers. I think Cleveland was his highest deal offered, and he just didn't take it. So he's on a good football team right now. I mean, I think it's one of the best situations that he could be in in Tennessee. It's a competitive team, definitely going to make the playoffs. But from a performance standpoint, I'm sure that they're not happy because, you know, for the name, they paid a hefty price and they're not getting the production that uh, I think that they wanted to see. He doesn't have a single sack yet. No sacks, only 14 tackles, and one forced fumble. I mean, that's kind of, you know, he bet on himself, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he might make the playoff. Like you said, they're going to make the playoffs. He'll be on a playoff team this year. But, I mean, if he signed in Seattle, he'd still be on a playoff team. Right. Probably in a situation. So, uh, maybe a mistake by him. But let's go on to the last game this week, uh, that or the past week that we should talk about here. browns Bengals. Now, coming into this game, everyone was like, this game's going to be so bad. Who wants to watch this? But it was actually really entertaining. Joe Burrow battled with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield started the game. I think it was 0 for 5 in a pick. Like, that was his stat line to start the game. Ended up throwing five touchdowns. OBJ tore his ACL. 
in that game, unfortunately. But the Browns bang- battled back and scored a touchdown with like 11 seconds left pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones in the back of the end zone. Baker, he was he was dealing that that game, and so was Joe Burrow. By the way, Noah May and I made a side bet that uh, on the Browns Bengals. Noah took the Bengals, and uh, yeah, that didn't. It was looking good. I was nervous, but then uh, Baker. I don't know where that version of Baker came from, um, but uh, he was able to pull it out. Noah, did the Browns look good, or did they just get lucky, and it should have been a bigger win here against the Bengals? Like you said, I don't know where this Baker Mayfield came from, what version. I mean, maybe uh, maybe he did a little bit of substance behind the uh, behind the scenes in the locker room. He could have been on something. We don't know. Uh, they should be testing him because five touchdowns after an abysmal first quarter uh, for any quarterback, that's spectacular. Here's the thing, though. This is the Bengals. Look, their defense is awful, and it just got worse because they just moved – Carlos Dunlap so I don't know what they're thinking uh they obviously know that they're not going to make the playoffs uh unloading cap space uh trying to prepare for next year uh guess that's the strategy but look this is one of the worst defenses in the league especially from a pass standpoint uh so that helped out Baker Mayfield a lot um the concern hasn't been the run game with Cleveland it's been the pass game so if Baker Mayfield's able to throw for you know, two, three touchdowns, I would say that they, they are going to win most games that they're in. Uh, what surprised me the most about this game was that Joe Burrow looked pretty decent to me, and they still weren't able to get it done. So I don't know what that is from a coaching standpoint in Cincinnati, or if it's just a player personnel situation on the defense, but, uh, they're going to have to figure that out. I mean, if you're just going to throw Joe Burrow in there, he's doing fine. I mean, it has to be killing his confidence that this team's, what, 1-5-1. and one. I mean, I think that this game should have been locked up by Cincinnati completely. There's no way you should let Baker Mayfield, of all people, throw for five touchdowns. So I think it was just a collapse by Cincinnati more than a great comeback by Cleveland. Agree. Agree there, 100%. Um and you know Cleveland. Cleveland was your third team to make the playoffs. They're in that position still. They're they still are. There. So you know, good. So far, it looks looks good for you. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. Let's go to our studs and duds segment here for last week fantasy football. Um, I had a decent week fantasy football. Came from behind and won. Not a big deal. Don't want to brag, but. Uh, Let's go on to studs and does. Noah, I'll give it to you. You start here. Thank you for deferring to me. After you just pumped your own tires, I'll I'll take I'll take the reins here. All right, first stud <laughs> is a guy who I went up against last week in fantasy, and he pretty much single handedly won the week for my opponent, Tyler Lockett. I mean, everyone would have expected that DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson would have continued their connection. Not that Metcalf's been playing bad, but man, Lockett just ate up every single touchdown to be had. 15 catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns. That has to be the best fantasy performance by a wide receiver this year, no doubt. It's fantastic. And, I mean, that's just amazing. So, good for him. Uh, Definitely one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, And then my next stud is... On Mark's team, uh, you know, I'll add to his bragging. Uh, Not a big deal. 
not a big deal. Uh, James Robinson, man, this guy's been probably the best find. Surprise of the year for sure. 22 attempts on the ground, 120 rush yards, I believe, and then he added four catches for 20 yards through the air and two total touchdowns. So 30 points for James Robinson. Uh, He's the only person in Jacksonville that you want to have on your fantasy team. Uh, And no one would have really expected it. I mean, this is an undrafted guy who was behind a big name in Leonard Fournette, and now he's tearing it up. I think he's one of the top top three running backs in fantasy right now. So you just – everyone – picked him just right off of waivers in weeks one and two. So whoever got him in your league, uh, he's the luckiest man for sure. Um, and I will say, yes, I am a very lucky. I needed a running back week one because I drafted Fournette and Fournette then got, you know, he got released or traded to uh, the box or released to the box, I believe at the free agency. Um, so I needed a running back for week one and that's how I picked him up. But uh, I like those. Those guys went off this week. Um, my studs for this week, I'm going to go Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams had an unreal week. No one want, Houston did just did not want to cover him. He had 13 catches for 196 yards and two touchdowns. Like that, That's unbelievable. When Devontae Adams is on the field for the Packers, they just have a field day. They need him. He's the best weapon on that team outside of Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Um, I think that he's more important to the team than Aaron Jones is. Um, but, uh, I mean, he had an absolutely unreal day. And then, uh, my other stud is going to be Justin Herbert, which probably a lot of people didn't start him, but, uh, against Jacksonville, he had 347 pass yards, three touchdowns, and then he had nine rushes for 66 yards and a touchdown finished with 39 points in fantasy. That's unbelievable for a QB, especially Justin Herbert, who, um, you know, you're not expecting those numbers from him. You're probably expecting those from like Russell Wilson or something similar from like Mahomes, but from Justin Herbert, that's great value there. Um, and he absolutely had a great week, week against Jacksonville. Um, Noah, what was your dud for this week? My dud going to go with a guy on my team who, you know, it was funny. I was, uh, keeping an eye on the, uh, Pats Niners game, you know, saw that the Niners were killing it. And I was like, all right. I'll look and see how my boy Jarek McKinnon's doing since I have him on my team. And then I asked everyone, did he die? Because he only had three attempts for one yard. He wasn't injured. Jeff Wilson just ran away with the day at three total touchdowns and over 100 yards. So he's my dud because he got negative one point uh, <laughs> or negative or point one point. Sorry. So uh, just one negative yard on the day. But I'd be more nervous about McKinnon. But Jeff Wilson got injured in that game, and he's headed to the IR. Uh, doesn't look like he'll be back anytime soon. So they keep getting guys injured, and McKinnon's the only one that can stay healthy. So uh, that bodes well for McKinnon owners, but just be a little nervous because, I mean, you know, a guy only gets three carries in a week. Uh, definitely want to be concerned about his volume. Definitely, definitely would want to be concerned there. Um, but uh, my st- Duds for the week. Uh, we're going to have to go with Mike Evans here. Mike Evans, you're going to start him, obviously, every week. He only had two catches for 37 yards. Just not having the week that you would expect him to, especially against the Raiders team, whose secondary is not great. But uh, that's a little disheartening there. And then my other dud, um, I'm going to have to go with Josh Jacobs. I mean, he had 10 carries for 17 yards, only finished with four points. Not that great of a stat line, but, uh, I mean, 
what are you going to do? Some people have bad weeks, and that's my dud for the week. Uh, let's go on to down to the wire. Noah, let's go through your th- your pickums for this week. Who who are you going to pick up for this week? Uh, this is a guy that, depending on how deep the league is, uh, he's probably available in most. Uh, right now it says he's rostered in 11% of leagues, so you could definitely get him. Alshon Jeffrey. Now, there's always concerns that he's going to re-injure himself. This guy is probably made out of paper and glass. I've never seen a guy get injured so much for being touted as one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. But look, if there's any guy who has talent in the Philadelphia Eagles pass offense, it's this guy. It's just he can never stay on the field. So he's not an immediate play, but he's probably one of the only guys to throw to if he's on the field. So definitely just add him if you're in a deeper league. And then another guy uh, this is for Joe Mixon owners. Uh, he's slated to come back this week, but he still might miss some time. Uh, they're treating it sort of like a day-to-day injury. So if you could go out and grab Giovanni Bernard, uh, he did pretty decent last game. Uh, he's more of a pass-catching back, so he's definitely worth more in PPR leagues. But uh, Gio's definitely a good stash and a good backup to Mixon if you're owning him and you can pick him up. So those are my two ads for this week. I like those ads. I like those a lot. Um, especially, you know, with that Bengals backfield with Joe Mixon out, that could help. That could hurt players, especially, I mean, you have Joe Mixon too, so that kind of hurts a little bit. Um, but uh, my pickups for this week are going to be Carlos Hyde and Brandon Ayuk. Carlos Hyde, because uh, Chris Carson went down, um, and uh, I've been preaching this for a few weeks now, that uh, maybe – you know, Carlos Hyde could be a good backup and a good role make role player here. And then Brandon Ayuk is good because Debo Samuel just went down. So he's going to turn into maybe that number one uh, player there. So I like Brandon Ayuk here and I like Carlos Hyde. If they're available, they may not be already because it's Wednesday, but if they still are definitely pick them up. And then I'm going to go to my drop for the week, Julian Edelman. I mean, Julian Edelman hasn't put up over five points in the past four weeks. That offense looks stagnant. Cam Newton, I mean, he doesn't look like the normal Cam Newton. So I'm going to go with Julian Edelman here. What's your drop, Noah? Yeah, my drop uh, is Tyler Higby, uh, tight end for the Rams. So Higby was sort of a game-time decision last night. He got ruled out. Gerald Everett stepped in and uh, did pretty well. Uh, he had a touchdown, four catches for 28 yards, which isn't super stellar, but they haven't been passing to their tight ends at all. Uh, other than one week, here are Tyler Higby's point totals. He had one good week against Philly in week two, but outside of that, he's put up five, seven, three and a half, two, and seven. Those aren't starting tight end numbers, uh, especially now that he seems to be dealing with a lingering injury and Gerald Everett did well in his absence. I would drop him. There's definitely a better tight end you could find out there on waivers. Uh, and there's probably another guy that you could add to your bench in place of Higby. I wouldn't take up a bench spot for him. So I'd drop him. Definitely. Definitely. I like that pick. Um, so that's our fantasy football advice. Let's move on to our week eight predictions here, which could be very interesting. Um, so week eight, I really like here the Falcons-Panthers game. I like the Falcons, dude. I'm going to stick with them. Flock up. up. Another week. 
They collapsed again last week against the uh, Lions, but I like the Falcons here. They always match up well with the Panthers, and I think they're going to get back on track. I keep saying this week after week, so maybe don't trust me, but I don't know what it is. I like the Falcons. Yeah, man, dude. I, I think you're just a little... Uh... You're just a little in denial about your Falcons prediction. You can't let them go. So I wouldn't let them go either if I were you. Just got to stick with them. Stick with your flock. But I'm going to roll with the Panthers. Uh, I think this is just going to be a high-scoring game. These are two bad defensive teams that have good pass attacks. So uh, definitely going to be high-scoring. I don't know what the over is, but it's got to be in the 50s. But I'm going to take the Panthers here. Yeah, I mean... No, not a bad pick at all. Uh, I mean, the Panthers are a good team, but uh, I mean, I, I don't know why. I just have to. I have to stick with them. I have to stick with my Falcons. I can't abandon ship yet, even though I really should, because they look pretty bad. That defense is bad. That defense is one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. It's so bad. But uh, let's keep going into the games next week that uh, you and I both agree upon. Um, Let's go here to the Vikings Packers. Both going to take the Packers here. They look really good. They look really strong. They should get Aaron Jones back this week. So um, I like the Packers here. Titans Bengals. We both pick the Titans here. Jets Chiefs slaughter of the weekend. I mean, the Chiefs are going to absolutely demolish the Jets. Le'Veon Bell. Look for him to have a big game in his revenge game back. Um, Colts Lions. That's going to be a toss-up. We'll talk about that a little bit more in depth. Steelers-Ravens, probably the game of the weekend here. We both like the Steelers here, but it's going to be tough. I mean, they're going to have to play full football. They can't let the Ravens back in this game um, because the Ravens will run all over them. But we both like the Steelers here. Rams-Dolphins, let's take the Rams and for Tua to get sacked at least two, maybe three times. I mean, he's going to be in trouble with Aaron Donald. Um, Pat's Bills. We both like the Bills here. The Patriots don't look too good. Cam doesn't look great, so we're gonna take the Bills here. Raiders Browns. Uh, we're both gonna go with the Raiders here. We don't really, we're really not confident in the Browns. So the Raiders look good, um, especially you know coming off a bad loss against the Bucks. They look to rebound here against the Browns. Chargers Broncos. Ain't nobody care about this game, but we're we're both gonna take the Chargers here. The Broncos. You know the Chargers look good, especially with Justin Herbert. Uh, Saints-Bears, let's take the Saints, but I think the Bears could win if the Saints don't have Michael Thomas, so keep an eye on that injury report there. 49ers-Seahawks, we'll talk a little bit more in depth there. We disagree. Cowboys-Eagles, both going to go with the Eagles here. They just look, I mean, I I don't even want to say good, but they look better than the Cowboys, which is not saying much at all. I mean, they put up three points against the Washington football team, so Bucks-Giants, that's an easy one. Let's go with the Bucks here. So, Noah. Colts Lions, take me through why you think the Lions are going to win. Dude, you got Matty Stafford back there slinging it. They're actually doing pretty well running the ball, which has never been the Lions' mo. They haven't had a good run game since Barry Sanders. So, uh, but Adrian Peterson and DeAndre Swift are looking to be a very nice tandem there. Swift gets more of the catches, APs more of the uh, goal line ground pound type of type of back. We know what he can do uh, still, which is surprising because he's so old. But uh, old man AP is still getting it done. Uh, it's going to be a tight game. Uh, the Colts' offense doesn't scare me as much as the Lions. Uh, I think the Lions' offense is better. Phillip Rivers just does not look good passing the ball. Uh, you know, it's short completions. It looks a lot like what Eli was on his decline in New York. Uh, they just have a better defense. Uh, their defense is no joke. Uh, the Lions 
is not as good, but it's a little it's a little surprising. They're actually doing better than I expected. So it's going to be a tight game. Uh, don't know if it's going to be super high scoring, but to me, I'm just going to roll with the Lions. Uh, they had a thriller win over the Falcons last week, so I think that they're going to ride the wave off of that. And uh, I'm going to roll with the Lions because of that. I'm going to disagree with you here. I think Matt Stafford makes too many mistakes, and I think that Colts defense is built to capitalize on it. I think the Colts are going to do really well. Uh, you know, Phillip Rivers, like you said, he's going to have a little bit of a tough time. His arm doesn't look like it's as strong as it used to be, but I think they're coming off a bye. Uh, you get Jonathan Taylor back there. He can he can do his thing, and coming off a bye, everyone's fresh. So I, I like the Colts here in a big, big spot to knock off the Lions, especially since, like you said, they're riding high right now. But I think the Colts can knock them off. Uh, let's talk another really, really good game this weekend. 49ers, Seahawks. Noah, you're you're going to let Russ cook here. Why do you like the Seahawks so much? Because he broke my heart last week, and I want to see him sort of redeem himself. Russell Wilson doesn't throw three interceptions. It just never happens, except when I bet on him. So maybe I'll just stay away. If I want the prediction to happen, I'll just stay away from betting on the Seahawks. Uh Look, this is, to me, besides the Chiefs, the best pass attack in the NFL. Even better, it seems like, because the Chiefs are running the ball more. Seattle has to throw if they want to win. And between DK and Lockett, uh, no one can really cover both of them at the same time. So uh, 49ers are no exception. You know, I got a question here for you. I'm going to interrupt you right, real quick. You think all right. the Seahawks have a better pass attack than the Bucks? Hmm. <sighs> To me, yeah, right now, uh, you know, they're without Chris Godwin. They have been for some time. Uh, the Bucks actually have gotten the ground game going a little bit with uh, Ronald Jones. So that's sort of uh, a little bit of a surprise. It's going under the radar. But, yeah, I'm going to say between Russ, DK, and Lockett versus, you know, Evans, whoever their wide receiver two is, and uh, Brady, yeah, I'm going to uh, go with the Seahawks. I mean, come on, man. You have Evans. Godwin did play last week, which was a big reason. But he's out. He is out now. But Gronk looks great. He does. Gronk Gronk came back. Gronk looks good. Scotty Miller is also no joke. Like, Scotty Miller can ball, too. And the Bucs are getting A-B. Like, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but, like, they have an unreal pass attack. I mean, I don't know. I think they just have too many weapons. I think the Seahawks are good, too. Don't get me wrong, but... DK and Lockett are they're they're two guys that you definitely are gonna have a hard time covering. They don't have a really a great tight end situation. Chris Carson's still really good, um, but uh, I don't know. I I to me I like the pass tech with the Bucks here, but that's not what we're talking about. I sort of put us on a tangent here. I like the 49ers this week just because the 49ers are really complete. They're looking good. They're hitting their stride. Granted, injuries are really taking them over right now, but. I like Garoppolo. I like what Kittle's doing. They're able to spread the ball around. And that defense is hitting form, even without their star players. So look for the 49ers to really put the sticks here to the Seahawks, just because that Seahawks defense is atrocious. It's so bad. Adding Carlos Dunlap one week before, I don't even know. Is he allowed to play this week because of COVID protocols? I don't even know. No clue. No clue. Yeah, I don't think, I honestly don't think he will be able to play. But look for the 49ers to come out balling George Kittle to just 
absolutely have a field day. Uh, they're going to have to spread the ball around for sure. They're going to need some jet sweeps, things like that. A potential trade candidate that I was thinking, actually, and I believe I was – I don't think I was talking to you, Noah, about this, but John Ross, the F- Bengals have put – John Ross on the trade block because he requested a trade. The 49ers, he fits in well there. They just love those jet sweeps, fast receivers, you know, and I think that if you brought John Ross in, you could definitely use him on those gadget plays and things like that. So I think maybe bringing in John Ross because they're so injured would be helpful. Dante Pettis is not really panning out and they're looking to trade him too. So, you know, while Debo Samuel's down, you know, you might want to bring in another receiver, but I do like the 49ers here in a big spot and a big statement win because they're in last place right now in that division, and that division is only getting better. So they're going to need a big win this weekend against the Seahawks, and it's going to be tough because the Seahawks, they don't lose two games in a row. Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll don't do that, but it's going to be a good game and, and honestly one of the games of the weekend here. But uh, let's go to one of our last segments. No, we are flying through the show this week. Um, it's going to be this, this is going to be a short show this week, but let's go to our last segment here where we're going to give out our front runners for MVP, defensive player of the year, comeback player of the year and rookie of the year. No, I'll let you start here. Who's your front runner right now for MVP? For MVP, it's the man that broke my heart, Russell Wilson. Look, this team's nothing without him. Uh, I don't know how long this man has to wait to get an MVP. But uh, if there's any year to do it, it's this year. I mean, the defense is probably the worst it's ever been for him, and he's just getting it done. Uh, he does have help on offense. DK and Lockett are fantastic, but it doesn't take anything away from his performance this year. I mean, he's he's on pace to throw 40 touchdown passes. Uh, he's just absolutely balling right now. Uh, for me, there's no question it's Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you here. Uh, I think Russell Wilson is definitely the front runner for MVP. I don't th- really think there's anyone else. I don't think any skill position guy is really going to get it. I don't know the, uh, uh, I don't know about any other quarterback, excuse me, that could really win it. Um, besides, the only other guy, I'd probably the only other two I'd say were in the conversation, I don't think Mahomes really is this year, but look at Rodgers and look at Brady. They're both balling, um, and uh, if – Russell Wilson does not keep up his pace. I mean, he's got 22 touchdown passes already through this part of the season, which ties what Peyton Manning did in the record, the the uh, season that he broke the single season pass and touchdown record. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what Russell Wilson can do, but I like him here. My defensive player of the year, if we switch there, my front runner right now, I'm going to go homegrown TJ Watt here with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that he is balling. The only other guy I'd say would be Aaron Donald, which would be hard to unthrone him from Defensive Player of the Year. But I think that TJ Watt is absolutely balling, and uh, he is the best player on that Steelers defense. He's the best player. He's the best defensive player in the AFC. And uh, right now, I think he's the best defensive player in the NFL. Close second to Aaron Donald, but I'm going to go TJ Watt here. Look, for me, I'm going to take the counterpart here. Uh, I'm going to go with Aaron Donald. Uh, that's what you said. It's really only competition to the homegrown boy, TJ Watt. But uh, look, Aaron Donald has already eight sacks through what it seems like is seven games. So he's doing absolutely fantastic. Uh, to me, he's the best player in the NFL completely. I mean, there's no team that can find anybody to match up well against him. Uh, he never seems to struggle with any single matchup. Uh, he's, 
yeah, to meet the most talented player in the NFL. Uh, I think he's going to be defensive player of the year again. So, yeah, I can't say anything else. Would love to see TJ Watt get it, but uh, can't do it. He's even more homegrown. TJ Watt plays in Pittsburgh. Aaron Donald's from Pittsburgh. So True. True. Very true. Uh, but, I mean, like you said, can't go wrong there. He's a beast. Um, but uh, let's move on to rookie of the year, something that you and I, I think, are going to disagree on here. I'm going to go Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's been balling for Cincinnati. The thing with Joe Burrow is that he's not winning these games, but I think that's because their defense is awful. Like against Cleveland, he should have won that game, but that defense was so bad. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Joe Burrow here for my rookie of the year. Yeah, he is balling. Uh, he's playing fantastic considering the circumstances, but uh, I'm going to go with another rookie QB, uh, Justin Herbert. Not as much hype around him. Everyone thought Tyrod was going to be starting for the majority of the season, but Herbert stepped in when Tyrod was you know, completely injured by the team doctors, which I will say, Tyrod, dude, you got to sue, man. Like They just stole your job. But anyway, Herbert's been playing well. Uh, doesn't have as many pass yards as uh, as my boy Joe Burrow, but uh, I think he has more touchdowns. So it's a little bit of a flashier offense there. I do think he has a better structure around him in L.A. than Joe Burrow has in uh, Joe Burrow has in uh, Cincinnati. But yeah, that's my pick. Yeah, I like that too. It's going to be one of those two. But uh, short show this week. Great talking to you, Noah. Um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at On the Line Takes. We're going to be posting some more stuff on there. So uh, uh, great show, Noah. And I can't wait for week eight. Absolutely, dude. Week eight's going to be fantastic. But uh, talk to you next week, and hopefully our predictions uh, hold true this week.